What is that? Why do I have sparkles? <laughs> I didn't do this. I have sparkles all over me. Those of you who can see this broadcast, you can see that I have some lights. It's like glow sticks on my... I didn't... There's no filter up. <laughs> what is going on? Is this my nerdy glasses? Because I got old man eyes now and I'm staring at a computer screen so long, my eyes have gone dry. And then I have these floaters, which I thought were parasites. So I went out and bought a bunch of anti-parasitic stuff, which I probably had parasites because I won't go into that detail, but <laughs> it didn't help the floaters. And so now I know that they're floaters. And, and then I realized that some of the other eye issues I'm having are from staring at a screen. So I jacked my wife's glasses and this is how much they help. I don't know what brand these are. I'm not selling them. It's nothing like that. But now they help so much that when I take them off to look at the computer, like my eyes just, they just burn. Not like syphilis burn, but burn because they're dry, like cold, chapped lips. So my eyes feel chapped. Anyway, enough descriptives today. Actually, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's wrong. We're going to get descriptive today. I want to thank everyone who's downloaded the podcast every single day we have grown. And I just, it means the world to me because I started from zero. This new format is completely different than anything I've done. There's no social media reliance. We are just using media company in a box. We are just using our website and and distributing out of our website because now we're hosting our own content. We are not under anyone's thumb or rule. We can express and create how we feel with no control. And at the, the best part too, from a business side is no one is taking any of the money from us. All the money that we make, all the money that we earn goes right back into the Live Mono Worldwide Foundation, 100% of that. And why that matters for you is because you can do the same thing. If you're an artist, you're a creator, you're a filmmaker, we just got off the phone with a filmmaker, an award-winning filmmaker. She is going to be doing media company in a box to host all of her films. So exciting. If you're a content creator, a filmmaker, a producer, you're an actress, an actor, a talk show host, a teacher, an attorney, plastic surgeon, this technology is for you. But this is not what this broadcast is about today. We're going to talk about sex. And in full transparency, I've done this broadcast three times. And I stopped in the middle. And because I, and then started over. And the reason why is because I don't want to get off in the woods too much. I want to be focused and I want to be respectful, but the nature and the way that I speak, which is just being transparent, <laughs> I caught myself saying stuff, saying things that it could have been triggering for other people. And I want to be respectful because sex is such a sensitive topic, but it's an important topic. One that is looked at as taboo and at the same, and it makes people uncomfortable. When they talk about it in church, 
they talk about it like they're a bunch of second graders seeing boobs for the first time because they go, I think I may have done it too on accident. I think I just did it when we were talking about sex. Like I whispered it or talked to like it. This is a serious subject. And it's a serious subject that has wreaked havoc on people's lives because of their sexuality. But then there's sexual insecurity. There's sexual deviancy. There's all, there's just, it's complicated. Sex, it can be evil. Sex can be beautiful. Sex can be, feel wrong. Sex can feel all the right ways. It's complicated. Our sexuality, what turns us on? What gets us excited? What makes us want to do it in the first place? What makes us not want to do it? All that stuff is so complicated. And those of you who don't know me and you're listening for the first time, please know that I am a almost a 20-year, like for almost 20 years, was a chemsex addict. And so I don't have, I do, it's better now than it's been. And the reason why I have a healthier relationship with sex now is that I don't hide from any of it, not even to people that share my faith. I don't hide the fact that I'm, I, see, I don't even like the word bisexual. I hate that word because it's, I don't feel like it's even accurate. And it, and the, and it doesn't need a word. No sexuality needs a word. It's like trying to define it means you have to fit into that category. It's like when we define something, that means that's the meaning and that's what you have to adhere to. In the same way that I change the title of what I do and call myself a media missionary and a shock jock evangelist and all these other nicknames and fun things is because that's like an expression, but each and every time I get put into a box with those labels, the lies of labels. The point is that sexual sexuality is very complicated. And yet at the same time, some people want to simplify it where it's just black and white, man and woman, men and women have sex. But then what do you do if you're not attracted to the person of the opposite sex and you're attracted to the same sex? What do you do if you're genuinely attracted to both? What are you going to do if you genuinely love somebody of the same sex? The Bible says you're going to hell. The Bible didn't always say what it says about homosexuality. I have an episode about that. I did. And even while pointing out how homosexual was put in the Bible, just 100, the word was invented 150 years ago. So it's not new. It's not, it's new in the Bible. If you want to look at from the lifespan of the Bible, <laughs> that when that word was put in, it's relatively new, even though it was 150 years ago, which was before we were alive. But at the same time, it doesn't give you permission to go out and be a whore because you're still sinning against your own body. And if you know about soul ties, you know about transferring of spirits, you know about swabbing DNA, prime example, it's probably pretty graphic, but you ever like having sex with your new boyfriend, your new girlfriend, and you're thinking about your ex? Or when you break up, you immediately call the ex, or we have a hard time getting rid of the ex, or every time you do something, the ex is there. It's because they have, like they're part of your DNA. There's a like when the Bible talks about 
man and woman coming together and becoming one. I don't think they're just referring to the fact that a penis went into a vagina and now you're together. I, there's a soul attachment there. My God, my wife and I, it's like she's sharing my brain. So I think there's something to that, which is terrifying that we share a brain because I know how she thinks. I know how I think. But when we start reading each other's thoughts, that's wild. And one, it shows that we're aligned. It also shows that we were having sex. Because when we are really like that, when we're just like reading each other's thoughts, we don't even have to say a word. It's after we've had sex. It's crazy. So I can't explain it. Like, I don't know all the rules. While I don't agree with what the Bible says about homosexuality because it was changed, I also don't necessarily believe that we should go out and start sleeping with everybody either. And I don't necessarily even believe in monogamy. I That sounds awful, especially as somebody that loves Jesus and is a, I don't call myself a Christian, but Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I really struggle with the concept of monogamy. I practice in monogamy, but I don't like necessarily, I don't necessarily know how healthy it is. I've heard the term ethical monogamy and or non-monogamy, but and while people are freaking out about freaking monogamy, you're a man and woman, and you wait till you're married to have sex. Did you wait till you're married to have sex? Oh no, you didn't, because you fell in love and you thought he was the one. How many did you how many times did you think they were the one, if that's the excuse you're using? We were in love, so it was okay. It's no different whether you thought you were in love or not, or you were just out banging the neighbor. It's it's the same. It is it the same? Is it not? I don't know. It, but it's I'm not judging you. But the whole concept, if you're having just having sex with your boyfriends and girlfriends, and, or you're going out to the bar and you have your random hookups and you're you have a lover and then you have a person you took home from the bar, you're not practicing monogamy. So just because you're in a relationship and now, and then you want to have sex with other people, like it's no different. You're still having sex with other people. Now, the thing is with marriage, so I don't know if, I don't know if marriage changes things or not, or it's all the same. The point is that this is a freaking complicated subject. Sexual suppression makes people crazy. I know for my own self that when my other side wants to come out and play, it gets frustrated and pissed off that it has, can't play. Meaning when I want to, if I wanting to have sex with a guy or hook up with a guy, I like, like got too much going on. I'm married. Doesn't know Jessica. Just so all these factors. Okay, this is not love. There's no way to justify this other than just wanting to nut, orgasm, hum, sex. It. There's no way to justify it. So it's shoot. Okay. So then, like, I'm sitting there with that thought and the fantasy and 
the fantasies of all the crazy wild stuff I did in my past. And it's, and then it just gets worse and worse. And then I'm constantly trying to free my mind from it. And so that's a stronghold. That's a power. I know that's not right. I know it becomes even less right when I give into it. So while I practice monogamy, I struggle with it. And this is not a secret <laughs> to anyone that knows me or has watched the MI broadcast. It's not even a secret to my wife. This is something I struggle with because I grew up justifying sleeping with men while I was with women because I didn't look at that as cheating. I grew up seeing my dad cheat. My dad was a swinger. My mom wasn't. Know anyone like that? So the point is this. While I've been trying to figure out, okay, what is it okay to be me? Is it okay that I like guys too? Or I'm attracted to some men too? Is that okay? I don't, and again, I don't need the opinions of others to tell me. I needed to figure out for myself. I don't need a book that I know man has changed to tell me. I don't need my mom. I don't need my dad. I don't need my stepdad. I don't need my pastor. I don't need my wife. I don't need anyone to tell me what they think or what they believe. I need to know for myself. Because in the same way that you can't accept Jesus for me, you can't help me accept myself for who I am. You can't help me come to peace with God. I have to do that on my own, as you do for yourself. My opinions for your life do not matter. You can ask me, doesn't mean it matters. You can ask my opinion or what I believe, but that doesn't mean that you should believe it too. It may not be right for you. Now, I have my opinions about media, where it's going, and you can learn all about that on my website. But sex, let's keep talking about sex. I found two articles because I was trying to, I was researching because I'd been reading in the Bible about, wasn't sinning against your own body, but the visions, the visions, like a vi visions of lust, visions of sex, vision causing people to sin against their own body, visions causing man to sin against your own body. I'd heard it for the last two weeks in when I play the Bible. First thing when I get up to let it read to me before I actually read the Bible and I'd heard it. I'm like, what? And I Googled it, literally what I heard. Couldn't find it. Today I heard it again. I searched for it different and I found two articles that I want to go over because oh, we all have a weird, I think I, I would say the majority have a weird relationship with sex and there could be for God knows what reason. You were raped, you were molested, you were cheated on, you were abused. You grew up in a very religious home. You grew up in a non-religious home. You grew up seeing your parents be swingers. You grew up seeing your dad cheat. You grew up... So many factors. You could have been molested by somebody of the same sex. You could have been molested by somebody of the... I mean, there's a bunch of sexes now, but anyway. Um, you get my point. It It's complicated. You could have been 
straight and arrow. And you could have been one of those people. I'm waiting until I get married. And you waited till you got married. And then your spouse cheated on you. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, screw that noise. Or maybe you waited your whole life and you got in a marriage and they suck in bed. And you're just like, oh my gosh. Or you find out your partner's gay or you find out something else. And then it's now I'm stuck. The Bible says I got to be married to the rest of my life. And then there's just so many factors. I could go on, but I've just, there's a million examples. There's just not enough time, but you get where I'm going. What's the truth? Is monogamy really something that's good for us? Is it really true about waiting until you're married? Why? I can definitely see why God would want you to wait till you get married. And I can definitely see why you wouldn't want to. What's true? I don't know, but I'm going to get into this. So I'm going to share my screen here. And uh, oof, here we go. Get out of their screen. Okay. Why do Christians make such a big deal about sex by L. Alfred James? I should start going by J. Tyler Berglund. Sounds fancy. Sex is no big deal. We hear it all the time. Why do Christians make such a big deal out of it? A good example of this kind of complaint comes from Sam Harris. You Christians believe that your religious concerns about sex and all their tiresome immensity have something to do with morality. And yet your efforts to constrain the sexual behavior of consenting adults and even to discourage your own sons and daughters from having premarital sex. Premarital sex keeps you having premarital babies and premarital babies that other people don't want to take care of. So maybe that's a reason you should wait not to have sex until you can actually provide for the child. Maybe that makes sense. That's a practical reason to wait till you get married. Your principal concern appears to be that the creator of the universe will take offense at something people do while naked. The prudery, the prudery of yours contributes daily to the surplus of human misery. Okay, so that was just an excerpt. To be sure, much of what Sam Harris says here is correct. I know many Christians who are extremely disturbed about American society acceptance of loose sexual morality who at the same time never seem even slightly distressed about millions of people who are suffering from severe poverty, hunger, or discrimination. Sometimes that happens from unwanted pregnancy. Anyway, but Harris is wrong to assume that Christians or anyone else should be, con should be, should be unconcerned about their sexual behavior of human beings. Why? Sex is a really big deal. Sex is powerful. Soul ties, making babies, it's life. The fact that after you ejaculate, you need a nap because all your power source seemed to go out. Yeah, I would imagine it's pretty powerful. Just consider the psychological impact of sexual abuse. Why is it that so many millions of people have struggled with severe emotional trauma after being molested as a child or raped as an adult? Are we supposed to tell these victims to just get over it? Sex is no big deal. What? That would be shockingly insensitive and unhelpful. Yeah, I agree with that. The fact of the matter is that sex is a big deal to these victims because of our psychological well-being is so closely connected to our sexuality. Wow. 
This is not merely a Christian thing. Whether we want to admit it or not, sex is an extraordinarily powerful force. The essayist, essayist Susan Sontag thinks that sex is so powerful that we can label it with the word demonic. Is this going too far? I don't know. In quotes, human sexuality is part, I'm sorry, sex, human sexuality is quite apart from Christian repressions, a highly questionable phenomenon and belongs, at least potentially, among the extreme rather than ordinary experiences of humanity. Tamed as they may be, sexuality remains one of the demonic forces in human consciousness, pushing us to intervals close to taboo and dangerous desires, which range from the impulsive or range from the impulse to commit sudden arbitrary violence upon another person to the voluptuous yearning for the extinction of one's consciousness for death itself. Quote over, sex is a big deal, and it is meant to be a big deal. It is designed by God to continually reinforce the oneness that exists in marriage between a man and woman. Of course, it has to be powerful. It is like the strong nuclear force that holds the core of an atom together. The bond between husband and wife is the core force that keeps the nuclear family together. Okay, by this argument, I have a really hard time arguing against the fact that you should wait till you get married. And I was a whore. Any chance of purity and having that really tight bond my wife and I have an amazing relationship. But when I'm reading this, I'm like, it would almost be dangerous. Because if that my if I she only had my seed, for one, I wouldn't have HIV. And, and I wouldn't have all these weird memories. I still have memories of being raped. And sometimes I don't have those memories and they're bad that's messed up like to fantasize about being raped and like it being like a hot thing that's screwed up i think it feels screwed up <laughs> especially when i'm really wanting to be pure and to honor god and all that i do yeah that sounds awful if we honestly consider how powerful sex is it shouldn't surprise us that God has such strict rules about it. In any human endeavor conducted by psychologically healthy people, wherever powerful forces are at work, one will find strict rules are in place and quickly enforced. Wow, there's a light bulb going off. Is it not true that the more potency something has, the more raw power it has? Woof. The more carefully... It ought to be handled. Consider a couple examples. I'm not going to read all of these, but weaponry. If a weapon has the potential to only cause one human being a slight amount of pain, such as a small knife, you can handle it carefully, but not with an excruciating degree of concern. It can cause several human beings a lot of pain or even risk of death, such as a gun. Then you have more rules about how it is handled, and these rules are quite detailed. But if a weapon can destroy a large number of people, or even a whole city like a nuclear bomb, 
it is necessary to have meticulous defined rules and procedures about how it ought to be handled. That is heavy and true. Unwanted pregnancy, disease, shame, humiliation. Talk about, can you imagine? No, some of you can. You're about to do it for the first time with somebody you're really wanting to get it in with. Yeah. And you get there and you're about to do it. You're making out, you're heart and heavy, and you've got shrink willy. And, uh, and you can't perform. You're like, you're so nervous. You're like, ah, or whatever. You're coked out of your mind or you're too much to drink or whatever the excuse is, you can't perform. And then you got shame. Or what about the time that you just hook up with a complete stranger? They fell in love with you and you fell asleep. And you wanted nothing to do with them, but you had sex with them. I got It reminds me of this story. I don't know if she'll, I'm not going to say her name, but she actually came on and did a broadcast with me. So when I was in high school, um, my senior year, it was after I got out of my relationship, the girlfriend went to college and... Uh, I went on a whore spree. I was already in full sex addict mode. And uh, there was a girl at a party that had been passed around. And uh, I liked her. Like, she was cool. She was a friend, but also I knew she would do anything I wanted her to do. And I ran into that a lot when I with my sexual partners, especially early on. And so she would come over. We'd be drunk. My buddy would... When we'd be out drinking, we're like, booty call. I'm like, oh, we'll call her over. And then we'd have sex. And I never thought anything of it. I never did. Because she was banging other people, too. It wasn't like we were dating, married, and all that. But any time I called, no matter what time it was, she would come over. And, and we would develop a bond and a friendship. but the bond and friendship was that basically she was going to do what I wanted sexually, including have sex with my friends that I was. Anyway, um, years go by, of course, you know, my story, cause I, all my stuff just got worse and crazier and more intense. But after I turned my life around and started doing videos on Facebook and other platforms, when I first started my show, she reached out. And we, and she said, you're the only person I can talk to about this. And it's because of what I'd shared. And um, her son, had, younger son had been molested and she wanted to talk about it. But then that also opened the door for her to share from herself. And so while thinking that sometimes we like to think that sex is this harmless thing and yeah, you banged and go on your way. It's no big deal. Even though I've caught feelings a couple of times from good sex, my goodness, I think I convinced myself that I fell in love with a hooker but I was also severely codependent. Anyway, she told me that the woman told me that she uh, was really hurt by me because she liked me. And I could say from her perspective, but I'm pretty confident it was true. I treated her like she was my cum toy. And 
I didn't pay her much any attention, but she was like in love with me, into me, that kind of thing. And that's why she was willing to do whatever I wanted. But I never gave her the time of day because I just wanted to do what I was doing. So that really challenged me because sex means something. I mean, it means something to people, but I think it means something more to women, especially than compared to men. I can't say that as a blanket statement, but in my experience, just random sex with people tends to affect, or at least more emotionally, women. But I'm sure there's science that could argue that, but nonetheless, that had an impact on me. And this was like three, four years ago when this interview happened. And uh, it really woke me up because I just really thought that this was not that big of a deal. Now, mind you, I knew when I was prostituting myself and doing other things that I knew that was wrong and a big deal, but I didn't care because I wanted drugs and I wanted the extra money to go out and party. And and, and because I was so insecure, I, I was in college and I had all this extra cash and I was living in South Florida, living in Hawaii, in Hawaii. So I could just take my friends out, buy them drinks, buy them drugs. And like, then they would hang out with me. Or I thought I needed to do that. And maybe I did. I don't know. I have no idea. I'd never did it without. But I do know that I set the expectation that I was going to pick up the tab and pay for anything. And, and, I, and that gave me attention. And it made me feel like I had friends. And it made me feel like I belonged. And and also helped me completely ignore the fact that I was prostituting myself to do all these things. All right, here's another article. Theology of the Body and Sexual Harm. This was written in 2013 by John McKinney. McKinley. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. The immoral man sins against his own body. What does that even mean? Here it is. Why is sexual sin singled out as a uniquely as uniquely damaging to the body in a way that other physical actions are not? Substance abuse, gluttony, cutting—they are all harmful act, harmful acts to the body. Done all that too, but they do not do what sexual misconduct does, according to Paul. I got my issues with Paul. Just for the record, got my issues with Paul. The whole women preacher thing still rattles me now. I understand the explanation still bothers me, but I'm not God and whatever. So I, I argue with Paul, <laughs> but also I do love Paul a lot. Typical responses from students to explain this exception are that sex involves the whole person or maybe because it involves someone else. The same could be said for illegal drug use. So there must be something else. There must be something more. A theology of the human body indicates that the purpose of the body is for relationship with God, creation, and other people. The body is our bridge to created reality. Through the body, we are vulnerable to pain and threat. And through the body, we communicate, respond, work, and experience life in the world. Sexual misconduct of the sort that Paul rebukes at Corinth, where the men were going to the temple with prostitutes. 
somehow violates and damages the body in a way that other actions do not. I'm telling you, it's soul ties. It has to be soul ties. The exception seems to be because of the body's purpose for relationship, sexual misconduct takes the body and joins it with another person for short-term or otherwise illicit relationship apart from commitment of marriage. The body's purpose in sexuality is to facilitate a man and woman living as one flesh. It's hard to argue with this. It is. I'm a pervert in recovery, and this is hard to argue. Sexual misconduct denies that purpose and cuts the body off from bonding to another. Sexual misconduct disorientates, frustrates, and confuses, confuses the body from fulfilling its God-given purpose in physical bonding. Physical bonding through the body is the means that serves the goal of marriage as one flesh relationship. Sexual misconduct separates the means from the end. This devalues the body's purpose to be of only a little worth in the person's life for gratification of desires and nothing more. And that hits me because, you know, like I think about chemsex and meth use and it's just like you get high and there's this euphoria in your body but your soul is completely detached from reality from your body and i'm pretty sure that's how some of the demons get in the spirits and if your soul is detached from your body, or your spirit's detached from your body, and again, there's technicalities there that I'm not sure. I'm just talking through this out loud, but wow. Sexual misconduct separates the means from the way this. The, the separation of means from the end or purpose in sexual misconduct is like bulimia nervosa, which the afflicted person separates the means of consuming food from the end of nourishment for the body. With sexual misconduct, a marriage is not served, and the commitment of an enduring one-flesh relationship is not supported. The separation of means from ends is also why pornography, masturbation, and sexual fantasy are harmful. The person indulging in these practices has separated the body's purpose as a means to relationship from the end of serving that interpersonal commitment of marriage. These forms of sexual misconduct resemble the bringing on food often accompanies bulimia. Just as these practices of physical bonding make it no longer about committed marriage relationship of one flesh, so also bulimia makes the eating of food in a binge not nourishment at all, but about control and enslavement to the appetite. It's like getting the munchies. This does not mean that sexual sin is the worst of all sins, just that it is a sin that particularly damages the body. The designation of sexual sin as the darkest of all sinful categories, perhaps because of this biblical passage, seems to have contributed to unhelpful shame about sexual misconduct and proper sexual conduct as expressed in marriage. Wow. Wow. So, in my research, that I was doing for 
trying to would the bible really say about homosexuality and was the bible said a lot about a lot of things because i've done a ton of research about the garden of eden being the brain and i've i've found all this stuff and and so it's like in one breath i get super excited about the opportunity to to find peace and freedom around my sexuality only then to have it come and get fully condemned and <laughs> doing that wrong and got convicted of my lust and and it's there it's true I, it's like porn is an energy suck it's a trap and and then of just wasting your seed through masturbation there's no purpose to that. That's just basically showing that you have no self-control. Do I still masturbate? Yeah, when my wife's on her period, I freaking lose my mind. But And after I'm done, you know what happens? I, I beat myself up. One, because I want to take a nap. And two, it's like, what was the point of that? Freaking monkey with no control, no self-control. I thought that was good. I, uh, man, it's like sex is a weapon too. You know? Because it's thrown in our face and it's like, I'm, I can be in the middle of a workout and I don't even know whose boobs it is. Just see it out of the corner of my eye. And it's like a hot slot machine sign or <laughs> <laughs> just flashing lights. Look at me. Put your face between them. It's and then I'd be like, and then my whole workout is like because I looked, and even if I was like for half a second, I'm now working out. And you know what? Now all I want to do is look at the boobs. Or look at her butt or whatever. That's even with my own wife. Like, as soon as I go upstairs, I know what she's wearing. And my wife's smoking hot. And I'm going to go just hard not to look at her. I'm thinking I'm married to her, but I'm still, it's just, it becomes a distraction. It's, it, yeah, there is, it's hard to argue that it's a powerful force fact that it's thrown in our face the way it is like it and it's convenient stupid phone it's everywhere i don't know how the youth are going to navigate this world i remember what it was like when i grew up like what i had to do to get a penthouse or a hustler magazine and and then like i grew up with the internet but it was dial up now it's just all over the place it's on tv it's hard to avoid. And if you're a recovering sex addict or you just really love sex, that's got to be, it's not easy. It's not easy. Now, I think the statistics are there. It's not equal to men, but like women in porn, it's like that gap is getting closer. Women now cheat as much as men do. Why? Maybe it's because we've gotten very loose 
with our, no pun intended, with our morals around sex or our belief. What I just read was, again, convicting to me because, I mean, I, I, that is a weakness that I'm working on, is that it has that power over me. And the more I want sex for my wife, the more I want it <laughs> in other varieties too. And it's a struggle. And then I go through these swings and I haven't had them in a while. But one of the things that I was dealing with DID is these, when I would switch in the altars and the altars wanted different things, like I had a hard time controlling where my energy went sexually because with each altar, it had a different desire that felt extremely real, feels extremely real. And so I've done more healing around this and I have control over myself. I haven't had a switch in a long time. And, but so like now I'm getting to work on my sexual health, meaning I want to have a healthy relationship with sex, not a perverted one, not a, an out of control one. And it's work. But when I see things like this, cause I, I don't, just because a book says something and I know it's the Bible, but again, there's stuff in the Bible that I know man put there that was not God's word. So I get to question things. So I ask questions and then I research and I look things up and then I find stuff like this. I'm like, that's hard to argue because you know what I haven't found? is an argument why you should bang everything that walks. I haven't seen an argument for why you should have ethical non-monogamy. I'm not even... Monogamy it doesn't sound that desirable to me. It doesn't. And I'm happily married. But pleasing God sounds good, and I want God to bless our marriage and bless our lives and everything else. So I want to do it God's way. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to ask questions and try to find truth so I can put it in here. Because if the truth gets in my heart, then it's not going anywhere. And this issue around sex, I have not had peace on since I gave my life to the Lord. And I like don't really have peace today. But at the same time, these two articles make a lot of sense. Anyway, I thought you, I hope you found that interesting because if you didn't and you've been listening this whole time, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I thought this subject was interesting and I'm grateful that you were here. Have a blessed night, blessed day, whenever you're listening. Thank you. And thank you for checking out joshuatbergland.com and checking out all of our new services. And again, all those services, each one goes to fund the Live Model Worldwide Foundation in our mission. So thank you for being here. God bless.